We're going to initiate you into the secrets of pinball success. What we're going to share with you, with you today is our introduction to pinball technology. And now, from the Coastal Pinball Research Center in Victoria, BC, a special edition of the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. It's uh, Dan Bitterlich here with uh, episode number 20 of the uh, Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. I'm here with Daryl. Hey, Daryl. How's it going? It's going well, my friend. So it's a little bit of a different uh, show today. We, uh, we're just adjusting formats. Uh, this one is a pinball show show. Um, so we're going to be talking to people from a couple different pinball shows uh, that are happening or have happened in our area. Uh, we're opening with uh, the soon-to-be Yegpin uh, 2022 in Edmonton. Uh, that show's going on in July, July 23rd, or 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in, in, in Edmonton. And then we uh, also are doing a review from uh, the Northwest Pinball and Arcade show that uh, uh, I went to with uh, Neil from Forever Flip. Uh, we did that a couple weeks ago and had a spoiler alert, a great time, uh, really enjoyed the show. So you'll hear about our experiences and, uh, what it was like to go to that show. Well, hello again. It's uh, Dan Bitterlick here with the Vancouver Island Pinball Cup podcast, along with Daryl. And uh, today we've got a very special guest. We've got uh, Derek Thompson from uh, Edmonton, but more importantly, from the Yegpin Pinball Show. Uh, Derek, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're, we're, we're well. We're well. We're, we're hot. I mean, freaking warm for the island. <laughs> but uh, we waited forever for summer, and so we can't really complain. But uh, no, things are good. Um, exciting times for you. You're, you're, uh, I guess about, uh, 20 some odd days away from showtime. Yeah. Nine months worth of preparation. Um, you know, we just had our volunteers, uh, vol volunteer meeting, uh, just this last week and things are really rocking and rolling. We're getting right into the nuts and bolts of, uh, all the preparations for the show and really excited to go ahead and, put on probably what would be the uh, biggest show we've ever put on uh, in the uh, Alberta area. So, you know, international people coming from all over uh, Europe. We've got uh, people from the U.S. and, of course, uh, all over Canada. So we're very excited to host the world uh, at this event. Yeah, I mean, I, I've looked over. I mean, you've got four different IFPA tournaments uh, in it. You've got uh, a great free play area. I, I saw 225 uh, machines and as well as 50 arcade machines too. So um, it's going to be huge. I know we've got some Islanders, Carrie and Ashley, and a couple other people. I'm hoping uh, we'll make the trip out there too. Um, it, it's great to see something in you know in the Canadian West, which really, I mean, is pretty much. I think we talked about this last time. It's either the biggest show in Canada or, you know, it, it's 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 one A or one B. And and I think that's cool. And it, it's so great. Now, this is the first time you've held it in July, correct? It is. So we took a bit of a gamble here and we've, you know, went ahead and moved from our natural uh, May uh, time frame that we have it. And, you know, there were some definitely some decisions that were made in there to move it into the summer. Uh, I think just availability of our volunteers, um, you know, some opportunities as well for people that travel since we're such an international show now 
it makes it a little bit easier in the summertime for people to travel, get time off. And then as well, the weather. So the weather makes a big difference when you're moving, you know, all those 225 pinball machines and 50 arcade machines out and about and trying to transfer them to the show. Yeah, and that, that's a good point because there are like the logistics of shows, I think, sort of shock me the more I've been talking to people that run shows and different things like that. There is so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes that uh, people don't always appreciate. And, uh, uh, you know, folks that are listening to this, remember to thank the people that are running this show because it's a hell of a lot of work. It's a lot of volunteer hours. And, um, I mean, everybody enjoys the fact that people enjoy the shows and everything else. But uh, I, I got to say hats off to the volunteers that uh, that put these things together and, and, and go the extra mile to make sure that everybody's having a good time. Yeah, we're so lucky. Uh, you know, it, it takes about nine months to prepare for this show now. It's, you know, it's gotten to that point where it's just, it's so huge. And we've got so many different events that are happening within the show. And then just, you know, all the marketing, all of the, you know, merchandising we're doing and many of the other add-ons that we've done, especially now that we've changed some of the tournaments that we've done, all of that had to be put into the uh, the mix change of rules, you know, documentation, new website, all sorts of stuff that we've put into this one. And we had two years to prepare for it, which was great. It helped a lot, but still um, it feels like we're, you know, at, at the final stretch here and there's still stuff that isn't done. And so of course the stress level goes up and you're doing everything that you can because we want to make this, you know, as good as we can. A lot of people are traveling a long ways to go ahead and and come to this show and we really want to put on a spectacle here uh, in Canada and really show that we can put on a world-class show for everybody. Awesome. Um, so uh, as I mentioned, there were four tournaments. Do you mind uh, letting the listeners know exactly what tournaments are, are going to be there? Yeah, for sure. So for those on the competitive side, um, absolutely. There's four IFPA and one uh, non-IFPA uh, tournament that will be hosted uh, over the weekend. Uh, the very first tournament is going to be uh, the brand new uh, match play or yag pin match play uh, championship and that is really taking the old pinberg format um, it, for those that played in replay fx and really this is a homage to pinberg we're trying to replicate uh, that tournament the best that we can uh, we're modernizing it a little bit so you won't have to be doing it on pen and paper uh, we'll actually be going ahead and, you know, having new software done by Carl D'Angelo, uh, who's working with uh, the DTM software to be able to uh, provide us with a, an electronic method of uh, scorekeeping for that event. So I'm really excited to, you know, launch uh, that new software for this event, put on this crazy tournament that's going to have, you know, 80 uh, pinball machines in it, probably the largest pinball tournament uh, that's ever been done in Canada as far as machines go and yeah just just looking forward to you know trying to experience uh, the pinberg format uh, probably like it's never been done before uh, since uh, replay fx did it back in 2019 wow yeah that uh, pinberg was always one of my favorite shows uh, and and it's so great that you guys are bringing it forward like you know uh, uh, create creating something and and sort of in, in in its image that's great so uh after that what do we have yeah so next up i we have the women's uh, match play championship and again that will be a replica of um the um yag pin match play championship but it will be done in five rounds instead of 10 rounds 
that'll happen on the Saturday night, uh, and it will uh, have the playoffs on the Sunday, whereas the match play goes Thursday, Friday, and then the finals happen on the Saturday. So that's the second event that we have just for the ladies. Okay, very good. And uh, let's hear about the third one. Yeah, so we've got the Pinball Pro Championship, and that is a card-based format for those of you that have went to Indisc uh, or many other, uh, you know, maybe Papa formats back in the day uh, when they had those. Uh, It will be a five-machine card-based format uh, that will happen again uh, Thursday through the Saturday with the playoffs happening actually on the Sunday. What's number four? And it's probably the most <laughs> important tournament out of them all, as far as I'm concerned, and the one yes. that, you know, is is very important to the pillars of, of the show, and that is the Knockout Cancer Pinball Tournament. And we've been putting this on for the past couple of years uh, here within Yay Pin, and one of the pillars that we have uh, w- within our show is to give back, and, and, and this gives us an opportunity to go ahead and do that uh, through the Knockout Cancer, as half the proceeds that we do get uh, from this event will actually go straight back into the Terry Fox Foundation uh, for the fight for cancer. So we're really, um, you know, we, we've gone ahead and we, we, we've done this now for, it's going to be three-day uh, tournament and then the, the playoffs are going to be on the Sunday. We've always just done it as a one-day, but we're really trying to raise a lot of money for charity this year and, and be able to go ahead and put it over the three days. So it will be a best game format. Uh, predominantly, people like to call it pump and dump. And so we're hoping that people will pump and dump and be able to go ahead and raise up uh, those funds uh, to give to charity. So we're really looking forward to putting that on and seeing how it works. It's it's kind of our old format uh, that we used to have for our signature, uh, which was the Canadian Pinball Championships. And now we've turned that into the knockout cancer. So we're really excited to put that on. I absolutely love um, the idea of giving back. I mean, it's something that's also near and dear to my heart, too. Um, and it's something I think the pinball community as a whole should be commended on, on the fact that, uh, people do step up and, uh, you know, when you, when you see that, you know, people having fun, but also doing good in the community, um, you know, that, that's a double plus. And, and, uh, again, uh, you guys really should be commended for, for running that and for running it as, as, as many times as you have now, that's great. Really yeah, I think stuff. it's one of the responsibilities when you're running a nonprofit show. You know, you want to be able to go ahead and give back to the community in every way that you can. And yeah, absolutely. You know, our our nonprofit uh, Die Hard Pinball. You know, we do a lot in the community when it comes to pinball and being able to go ahead and you know spread the word and you know increasing you know the exposure to our leagues and our hobby and that types of things. But you know, we also have a responsibility as well on the other side. I believe uh, to use our platform to, for good. And this is one of the opportunities that we've done for the past couple of years and proud to announce that, you know, we've, we've been able to give back uh, close to $10,000 over the past, you know, three or four years within the w- within the show uh, to give back, um, you know, to cancer related uh, uh, charity. So we're really proud of that. Uh, we're hoping that people come out to that tournament and for that one there. It could even be bigger than the uh, than the Eggpin Match Play Tournament, just because it is open. It's a little bit more of an inviting um, format. Um, mm-hmm. People can just show up the day of the event, and they can come play and and get registered for that. So by all means, uh, if if you're interested in competitive pinball at all, um, but you don't really want to commit the full three days to you know play in the Eggpin Match Play Tournament, 
the cancer knock or the knockout cancer is a great alternative uh, for people to go ahead and play competitively. Yeah, good. Again, couldn't agree more. Well done. So, Derek, um, where did all your games come from? Uh, they sort of volunteer uh, donated uh, suppliers and. Uh, so ultimately, most of the games uh, come from, I would say, uh, three or four collectors um you know that 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 is that is a lot of the games uh, that we do get in there but we do have over 30 games or 30 collectors that donate machines uh to the event so there's a really really good um local based um support for the show a lot of people bring their games uh into us uh they work really hard throughout the year you know doing them up modding them up uh, making sure they're operating in a really good way and then wanting to bring them to the show so that uh, all the public and all of the players can play on them. So uh, a big sacrifice uh, to all those donors that are out there. Kudos to them to be able to, you know, give up their machines uh, for, for the week and allow everybody to go ahead and enjoy them and play on them. So it's a, it's a big sacrifice that we have and just a really great collector group that we have uh, within uh, the Edmonton and Calgary area and also some people in Saskatchewan as well that donate their machines and then of course we've got big support as well too here from Arcadium Retro Arcade uh, who donates around 60 uh, pins and then around um, uh, 50 uh, arcade machines for that event. Wow that's really generous are, and we're going to see a, quite a breadth of uh, games there uh, old EMs and all the way up to the latest stuff. For sure. And I think that's the one thing, especially in our tournaments, um, you know, you're going to have banks of four uh, that are in those tournaments. So you'll have a modern, you'll have a mid-modern, you'll have a uh, solid state and you'll have an EM in each one of those banks. And there'll be 20 banks uh, of those um, varieties uh, within there. Um, when you're looking at the free play area, there's going to be, a, you know, a ton of great um, titles that are going to be available in there that, you know, collectors have brought in um you know you can have all the latest and greatest m machines that'll be there you know cactus canyons uh, halloween there'll be all sorts of new ones that'll be in there and then as well uh, we do have nitro pinball that's going to be coming into the event and they're going to be supplying another you know 16 to 20 games there as well which is the latest and greatest titles that the public or anybody who attends the event will be able to try out and even purchase if they want so um so logistically wise you're you're feeling all right do you obviously still have uh you know ends that got to be tied in um are there any large challenges you're still looking at or are you feeling pretty good any pardon me sorry are, are, there, are there any significant challenges still or are you feeling pretty good that uh things are sort of lining up uh in in the way that you want well, there's always challenges, absolutely, and I think, you know, the biggest one is the logistics, and, you know, when you're looking at transporting as many machines as we do, you know, from either collector's houses or collector's transporting them to uh, the show, um, you just never know what you're going to get on the other end. Um, you know, we do a really good job with our donor community to be able to try to, you know, address issues and to fix things before they come into the event, but transport is always... Uh, you know the wild card yeah. and you just don't know what the machines are going to be like when they actually show up on show floor so we've got a ton of volunteers on the floor you know god love us we've got you know a, a very dedicated crew of technicians uh, that will be there and to be able to you know make sure that you know those machines are going to be ready ready to go by thursday uh, morning and you know 
we're going to cross our fingers and hope the best that we don't have too okay. many breakdowns, et cetera, et cetera. And the show will go off, um, you know, how, like it has in previous years. But there's always challenges. There's always stress. There's always, uh, you know, that feeling that, oh, my God, are we going to get through this? And for somehow or somewhere we end up pulling it out and are, in, and are end up able to deliver it every year. And I'm certain that that'll be the case again this year. I mean, the fact that you've got the experience, you've done, you know, really good jobs previously. I, 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 I feel good about, you know, I, I think that, uh, that this is going to be the biggest and the best of the shows, uh, that you've done. And, and I think the future just looks all the much better as well. It, it, it's, that's, it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if people keep on supporting it and they keep on wanting to show up and, you know, we definitely have the collector community that uh, is on board and we have the volunteers uh, behind us. We've got tons of support, um, you know, from the sponsorship and the vendor community, which we're very thankful for. Um, the stars have aligned for us to be able to do this show for a number of years. And, you know, it, it doesn't come from one person. It comes from many different uh, people contributing to the show and wanting it to happen. And we're just very thankful for everybody that, you know, either volunteers, donates a machine, uh, sponsors, uh, or even just shows up and, and is there for the entire weekend. We're just so, so thankful that people want to come uh, to this event, support it, and, um, you know, allow us every year to be able to show off uh, pinball and arcade in our community. Well, well said, Derek. Um, to the general, you know, to the general public and anyone listening, you know, if you're anywhere near the area, Get out, support this show. It's a great show, uh, you know, held by a bunch of really good people. And uh, you'll have a good time. That's pretty much guaranteed. Yes, July 21st, 24th, uh, Millennium Place, Sherwood Park, Alberta. Be there or be square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just too good. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, look forward to the next time that we can actually meet up and play some. But uh, And that will happen soon. But, uh, you know... Uh, I know this is going to go well, and uh, congratulations to you and your crew for what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for all your support, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. And now, a special report on the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show. Well, on June 3rd, the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show started. Dan went down, and with our good friend Neil from Forever Flip, and uh, we have an accounting of what went on down there. Dan? Yeah, th thanks, Daryl. It um, it was a very interesting weekend. Uh, we managed to go directly from here in Victoria down on the Coho Ferry, so uh, a ferry that goes directly into the States. Um, and uh, oddly enough, we ran into people as soon as we got to the uh, ferry terminal. Uh, we ran into uh, Steve from uh, the Powerhouse. He was headed down to the exact same show. And uh, so we we're all sitting in that uh, security pen that they have that you've got to you got to stay in there ninety minutes before you take off, and uh, then we headed down. We uh, we uh, had a good sailing across, and uh, we were over on the other side by noon, and that was the first time in a long time that I had been in the states, uh, you know. So it felt a little different uh, being down there and uh, checking things out. And Neil, uh, how did it go for you to start? Oh, it's great. Thank you. Thank, I, I want to thank you both for having me at the uh, research center. I've heard so much about it. Tune in all the time. And uh, finally to be here in person. Um, it's a pleasure. I want to shout out to the VPL. Shout yeah, out. For sure. It, uh, well, it was fun. And definitely uh, when when uh, we decided to go down there, we wanted two people at least to, uh, to come down. 
and uh, experience it so that we could let the, our listeners know um, what the show was like. Because this is the first time for me, and it was the first yeah. time for you as well, Neil. So uh, so it was quite interesting. We uh, It was a bit of a transit from Port Angeles down to Tacoma. It's about mm-hmm. uh, two, two and a half hours, something like that. Um, so we ran in, I guess the show opened at noon, but we got there about four o'clock after grabbing a lunch. Um, so there were still seven hours of pinball ahead of us, uh, checked into the hotel. Hotel situation is amazing for the show. Um, there is a hotel directly connected to the convention center. It's a Marriott. And, uh, then directly across the street, there's another Marriott, um, Marriott Courtyard, which is where we ended up. So you're basically all of a uh, three or four minute walk from the hotel across the street, trying not to get hit by the uh, trains um, and uh, checking in, uh, which was a really easy process. They've got lots of people and you're just going up, uh, getting your tickets and uh, then you're in. Which uh, I guess led to the first surprise that we had, which was... Um, uh, the tournaments. We went in there thinking, okay, we'll sign up and we'll play a little bit of pinball tonight in one of the tournaments. And uh, all the spots were gone. <laughs> uh, so that was different for me because I'm used to sort of, um, I guess, what they call pump and dumps and herbs and these kind of tournaments where there really isn't a restriction on the number of players. Uh, and, and this isn't in, by any means uh, something that was bad. It was just... They had set them up as target, or sorry, not target match play, but match play and as pin golf. And they they made sure that everybody that was playing was was having a good time. So there was not an unlimited number of, of spots. But what they did do is they said, if you didn't golf or get into match play on the Friday, you would have first rights to it on the Saturday, which I thought was really cool. Um, so it isn't about deep pockets. It isn't about who can get the most entries in or whatever. It's really about your skill level, um, which I liked. And they basically, I won't say they guaranteed you that you'd be able to play, but you were given consideration for the following morning. But knowing that we couldn't play in the tournament, that gave us seven hours to goof around on the pinball (laughs) machines and check out this show, which had 450 pinball and arcade machines out there. Uh, it was pretty crazy. It's beautiful, beautiful. All, all around, coming into a show, seeing what they had set up, the, the convention center, wonderful. Um, the pins, wonderful. And the people, wonderful. Like, all around, <laughs> the, the triple W. <laughs> um, coming in through the first moment, first door is that wall of sound. Eh? Yeah. And I can't get over that and... I don't know if you get used to that or it maybe when you leave the room again you realize that that that's there and it's just the sound of every pin going of yeah. everybody moving of it's overwhelming it's like, it, it's very hard to describe because it isn't it isn't a distinct single sound like when you think of pinball machines you think of noises you think of specific callouts or you think of songs or mm-hmm. you even think of chimes but that isn't what you get when you get into a place that's got that many machines running. And I guess it's sort of just the way the acoustics happen to be for the room, too, is it's a throb. Like, there's just this this drone that, yeah. that is at a fairly high level. It's not too loud to be able to talk or whatever, but it's just there, and it, it's almost like a heartbeat and yeah. Uh, yeah, very different. I, I can't say I've actually heard it 
at another show. And I've been to a handful of shows. I mean, you and I, Neil, were, we were in Banning for the last Indisc. Yeah. So we definitely didn't have it there. And I'm trying to think of Expo or Allentown or some of the other shows I've been to or, or Papa or Pinburg. And I've never really heard that kind of, of sound and, and that kind of energy. So it was interesting. It was a little overwhelming when you first walked in, to be honest. Like, it was just like, wow, that is a wall of sound. Like, that is very strong. But it died off. And definitely, as the night went on, one of the things we had been told is that uh, they were open till 1130. Uh, I think sort of at 11, they start trying to usher people out. But by 1130, they power down. And um, we were told that after about eight o'clock or so, the locals would start heading home. And then the show sort of uh, the, the capacity or, or at least the number of people around dissipates. And um, so the sound also dissipated because the machines weren't all being played at once anymore now. Um, and you were able to start hearing individual sounds. It, it was just really a, a unique experience and a fun experience. I, I, I mean, they're the overall... The overall layout and everything else was great, but that sound was just something I hadn't experienced before. The moments that got me coming into that room, certainly the sound, and then you have the bling right off the bat with the Stern and the Marco booth. And I don't get to play too much new stuff or see new stuff or be around new stuff. So in an hour, for the first time, I can play Avengers, I can play Rush, I can play Godzilla and turn around, play Cactus. And then there's TNA. And for you, I know one of your highlights of getting to play a pin. Oh, we know. Well, we'll get to that. We'll we'll, we'll keep that one for a little bit longer. But yeah, there is, there was a very incredible surprise for me. Quite, uh, moving's probably too far down the line, but it was, it was definitely something I really appreciated and was my own highlight. But yeah, the, the, the fact that they had, um, think five Cactus Canyon uh, remakes there, um, including one that had the topper. Now, I never did get onto that one that had the topper. But but they're very, uh, the rules are set up and people were really polite as far as play once, look behind you. You know, don't ever assume that you're going to, that you can just keep there, pre- keep pressing play. You know, and if there's nobody behind you waiting to play, then play a second game, that's fine. But if there's somebody step step off let them play get in behind them or or however it is and and that isn't something i've always seen work at other shows but here i found that if i stood behind a machine like if somebody was playing they'd always check and i could always get onto a machine so there wasn't any long waits even for machines that were quite unique and new or rare because there were a number of rare machines here as well not not just uh new machines uh there were a number of remakes there was a really cool sort of um homebrew section uh, that was, uh, I believe, sponsored by Fast Pinball, which is one of the uh, processing or processors that are that are used for a lot of these homebrews. So that was really cool to see. Um, yeah, it's just overall the fact that they were able to get this much new pin into, into an area. Um, and okay, cats out of the bag, they had a fathom. They, they actually had the first landed fathom mm-hmm. in North America from Haggis. And... Um, that was really cool. I have one on order. Um, so for me to be able to actually physically get my hands on the machine, this one was a prototype. So it didn't, it, it didn't have all of the mermaid bling on it. It had most of it, but it had the mermaid code and it had the internal workings of the, of a new machine. So 
it uh, by far was my highlight of the show, even though there were so many different things that I liked, I had no idea that it was going to be there. So it, uh, when I first played it, I didn't really even realize it was the Haggis Machine. I, they had another one that was yeah, original. Two. Yeah, there was an original one there, and I had played that earlier. And then I saw this, and I'm going, this just looks shinier. And I just didn't, I didn't really clue in. I hadn't read anywhere that Haggis was going to be able to get a, a game to the show. So, uh, so that blew me away, and uh, yeah, like I say, I, I was smiling, and I must have played that game about a dozen times over the course of the uh, three days because uh, it wasn't hard to get on. Again, there were there were people, there were lineups, but they they they'd move you along, and you'd get to play, and uh, and that was really cool. Well, it sounds like an incredible breadth of machines, especially the the homebrew stuff. That's kind of. Uh kind of unique i guess people showing off what they've what they've done and uh yeah as neil said just incredible just to walk in there and see all that and i imagine it included uh ems there and oh there was a ton of ems and the the condition of the ems like often when you go to shows people have a beater machine or two that they bring out so they can get free entry to a show and th- and that's okay because i mean it's still titles and they're still playable like they're working but they're not they're not, I won't call them quite museum pieces, but they're not at that level. Um, but here there were some just stunning games, um, EMs especially that I saw that I hadn't been around and I was able to introduce to one of the players because Carrie and Ashley were there from the island as yeah. well and we ran into them. And later on I was able to show them like the Sonic games and the stuff like that from Spain, you know, that were EMs that are often seen in tournaments, Mars Trek and Faces and a couple other games like that and uh it was fun because carrie had never played any of these so she got to feel the different style of flippers that they are and just the different layouts and of course the i've still to this day never seen one of their playfield show anywhere so i don't know what they did back then but it probably wasn't healthy to those uh to those play fields and the clear coat that they put on them but yeah it was uh the 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 very uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here too. The variety, the variety of uh, of titles and of eras of machines was very cool. I mean, they had a whole section that Neil really got into that I sort of just had cursory looks at, but they had all these Japanese video games. And uh, Neil, I think that Friday night you were—I yeah. remember back in the hotel afterwards you showing me all these pictures of. <laughs> I, I was a, a little bit scared, a little bit excited. Um, <laughs> not in. Scared in a good way and excited in a bad way, and didn't know if I wanted to go there. Some of the games I I couldn't comprehend, and I knew if I kept going, I would never leave there. And like a, a remote with six buttons, I only have five fingers and a joystick that triggered something on the other side. And there was a side panel that was strobing neon, and then you know the, uh, the avatar with a sword and a bikini, and I'm like. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it was so far gone. But it's so cool seeing the cultural differences too, because yeah. I mean, again, these are true games made for the Japanese market. These aren't games that are manufactured in Japan for the North yeah. American market. So. And I, I thought it was some kind of an attack game, but it was a, 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 a follow along play music game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So maybe one of the highlights. I, I would say, getting back to the the pin set of highlights was sure. the the Gottliebs at the front there yeah that um mr grant took me over yep um yeah dave grant was there yep. and, and miles how can 
people be that wonderful. Very nice, so nice people. I like, know. Well, but and also like bringing those kind of games to something like this because these were, like I say, almost basically museum pieces. Yeah. Okay. Um, Playfields were perfect. Back glasses were perfect. Slippers were strong. Like there just wasn't anything that I could say that was wrong with these. And the crew that they had, the tech crew oh. that sat in the middle. So basically. There was an area that was sort of cordoned off that was their tech area. But mm -hmm. there were always like four or five techs sitting right in there just waiting for somebody to come over and say, this Dispatch. game doesn't work Save or it. whatever. And almost always you saw whatever the problem was. I mean, in the case I went over a couple of times, one was a stuck ball on Star Trek Stern. And I can't remember what the other one, uh, something to do with theater of magic. And in both cases, I saw the games up and running like within 15 minutes. They'd go in there, they'd dig in, and they had parts, they had all kinds of stuff going on. And, and you know, hats off to them for, oh, yeah. for, for being that uh, uh, vigilant. To, it was stat. Now, yeah. save it. Up, and, running. And that's, that's just, I mean, people don't even realize how much effort's involved in that and how appreciative they should be. Like, I mean, I know it's a show, and I, I you know, it's once a year, but... But those people are working their butts off to to make sure that this stuff's going, and, you know, and under a little bit of pressure because you know you're, you know you're gonna have somebody there saying this is my favorite game and it's not working. Why isn't it working? Yeah. I came here just to play this one game, and uh, so it's great to see that 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 they do have that talent there and that uh, the talent comes out and supports the community. So. Oh, so well organized, and it's critical when you have that many games. You're bound to see you know, trouble. Oh, guaranteed. It, it, it's guaranteed and, and old games. So that's, that's great. They were responsive. And, and like you say, when you go there and it's, it might be your, your only chance, your only big trip and yeah. uh, mm. you really want to play it and have it working. And yeah, that, that's, that's great to hear. And it was so great to see so many titles. Like they had a, well, like when I say 450, I, I don't know the exact breakdown of, uh, of, of pins to vid, but I mean, it was definitely leaned heavily to pins rather than video games. Um, so probably close to 300 of those somewhere in that area. We'll have Dan Halligan on and he'll give us the exact numbers, but, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, there wasn't many repeats and if there was, it would be maybe a second copy of a game, but it wasn't other than the Marco area, which is about sales, which you expect multiple copies of each title. You want that for the new games. But for these other games, it was like, yeah, there were two stern Star Treks, but there wasn't five of them, you know, and there was stuff like, you know, um, pinball magic and just titles that you don't see in, in, in a lot of different places. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was great. I was just kept wandering through and saying, man, I haven't played that in like four or five years. So let's go on this. And I've been to a lot of shows like over, over the years, but it was just cool that they were able to get so much from the community and so many games to come out. Um, you know, it, it's definitely value for dollar to, uh, to hit this show. And, and I know coming back, uh, we were already getting questions from people on the island who have never been to a show and just like, should I go to this? And it's like, you should be planning now for next summer, basically is what you should be doing. So Neil, we, uh, when we were coming back on the ferry, one of the, one of the fun things was just sitting on there. We had an hour and a half to kill on the boat. And we started throwing back, you started it, you know, uh -oh. with the top threes and like oh, top yeah. three of this or yeah. that. Or, so why don't you give me the top three games top three for pins. you? Yeah. yeah, top three pins for you uh, on this one. 
Was the one of the, the homebrew? I sent you a picture you, mm-hmm. of you on it. The um, Mass Effect. Oh, Mass Effect Two. Two. Yes. Sorry. Um, just hit the right stride for me. Not too old. Not too fast. Not too new. Um, just and so original in a way that I don't know. Just the feel and the pace. There. Hi. I'm Mass Effect. <laughs> Top three pin right there. Okay. The Bear Cora. Which I think you, you oh, yeah. know. Yes, I used to own one. Yeah, um, miss it. Yeah, it just surprised me from left field somewhere else, and I'm like, oh, look and play and feel. Same thing. Just I got swooped in. Mass Effect one. I'm going to go with Bear Court two. Okay. Top three pin rush. Going to throw throw me under the bus awesome. on it. No. But yeah, new and yeah, I'm a rush guy for sure. But um, up against. Avengers, Zilla, and Mando, Rush, take awesome. me, take okay. me home. Uh, and I'm I I can definitely see that. I mean I'm I'm probably going for the big green guy, um, on the new Sterns. I just uh, I like lizards. Yeah. Um, but but I've uh, I've gotten to play Rush here uh, a bunch, and I uh, played the Pro and the Le, and I I think it's an amazing game, and so I I can totally understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah. So for me, I mean, number one is obvious. It, it's not even close or fair. Um, the Fathom being there was, was, like I say, the highlight of any show I've probably been to in the last five years. Last time I felt nice. like that, and also giddy, was uh, when I had my Waz on order and I was at the Pacific Pinball Expo, the last one they had in Maryland County. And that was the first public showing of that. So that's sort of what this felt like. It's like, wow, this mm-hmm. is sort of cool. Nobody's seen this here like i mean yeah. they, they, you know there's been a release i think it's only one public game in australia at this point you know what delivered to one person so these are yeah. sort of the next uh, the next few that came out second one i mean it's a game i've owned before uh, so sort of like barracora but a game i hadn't played in a while it was in the tournament bank but they also had another one out free um quicksilver oh. um stern yeah i just love um the old Stern Electronics games. Um, and I should almost do an A and a B on that because they also had Big Game, which I honestly haven't played for about 25 years, but I've had it on my lists. And it was in it was in our tournament bank. It was in the Pin Golf Bank. And, uh, and yeah, I just really, really enjoyed playing that again for the first time in so long. It, uh, and, and, and it was immaculate. It played so well. And then third one, third one's a little harder. Um... Because there was a whole bunch of different games that I played, uh, you know, and that Gottlieb Rowe really drew me in. Um, and it might be Lucky Hand, um, which I believe was the name of the game. Uh, there was one of the Gottlieb's up front, a card game. Mm-hmm. And it was, it just was almost how it looked and how it felt. Like, I felt like this was new out of the box. That's how well it's it a, played. It's a time travel game. Like, how, how did they get it here? From- yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's what it felt like. And actually, the owner of it, I think, was sitting next to me or standing next to me talking to somebody else. And it just, you know, he was explaining to this other person how much, you know, the games meant to him and everything else. And, and it just sort of felt like a privilege playing on that game, you know, knowing that this was somebody that really cared about their games, but oh. they wanted to share them. Yeah. So, so I think that would be my top three. But there's so many things that just sat under the, the homebrews. I mean, Sword of Vengeance was sort of really cool, which was a uh, a retheme of uh, Sword uh, Swords of Fury, 
um, with uh, Scream in it now mm-hmm. and uh, and different things. I think it still had Lion Man in there, so it'll be okay. You know what I mean? Don't worry, people. Yeah. They're not trying to get rid of Lion Man. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, we played we played uh, most of the 2.0s. I'm not going to count Fathom as a 2.0, but we played um, Funhouse 2.0, Totan 2.0, no good gophers 2.0 was there um so it was great that they were able to organize getting that many in. oh and they had bride of pinbot 2.0 that was sort of more in the main area yeah um but uh so being able to get that many of these 2.0 games was was pretty cool i'm totally intrigued uh, neil by uh, your choices there uh that of all the games and you probably saw pretty much every game in the world um, that Mass Effect, can you, can you describe a bit about what, what is Mass Effect? What is the theme and sort of what's the, uh, what was the attraction on it? The, it had 12 characters. Yep. Kind of had a, not a tank girl, kind of uh, Mad Max meet, meets Neo Tokyo or something kind yeah. of look. And it was a little more open and you played it. I yeah, I, I think it was sort of like, it almost sort of had like a Martian landscape, like like yeah. a lot of the imagery was sort of barren planet kind of imagery. But um, you know, the LEDing on the game was really nicely done. It had a monitor in it, um, so you could choose a character. The characters interacted with other uh, like sort of challenge characters and things like that. It uh, it was actually quite cool. There was one fellow, I think he was the one that did both. Uh, Swords of Vengeance and I think he did Mass Effect 2 oh. I think it was the same programmer and and I mean you know one of the things for them that's good about these shows are that they're they're putting them out in the public and they're getting tested in the public so there were times that things uh, you know would hang uh, you know I'm not going to try to paint a perfect uh, rosy picture because I mean this is getting test played at a much tougher level than what they'd normally be test playing in their own in their own homes when they're building the games, right? So somebody's now on this game for eight hours straight or trying to be, right? So so that was that was sort of an interesting thing just to see that, but also to see how quickly he was able to get the games back working again and everything else. So in his own tech area, basically coming on strong. And and yeah, seeing the, the level of professionalism in these homebrews now. Like I'd seen homebrews, oh, you know, I mean, they've been around forever. But uh, the level now that people can get to, and these were unique. They weren't, uh, at least um, Swords, of, Swords of Vengeance was definitely a rethink. But uh, in the case of Mass Effect 2, this is like a brand new uh, playfield as far as I know. Um, you know, the, it wasn't an overlay. It, it was basically somebody designing a game from scratch um, from, from what I could tell. That's absolutely amazing. Very, very impressive. Yeah, I think it. I think it's something that's going to keep growing in these shows as well. Um, you know, as it becomes more and more accessible to people, um, and in some ways, you know, and, and sort of sadly, as in you know, some of the games become less and less accessible because of just the market being what the market is. So you know, for somebody that is hands on and can create, this is sort of the way to get your own pin, or you know, or get your own little. Uh, uh, your own little niche in the society or in the community um, because it, that part of it is pseudo affordable. So from there, I guess uh, one of the other things we had was of course the tournament. So, mm-hmm. so on the Saturday, like, I mean, after talking about the fact that we couldn't get in on the, uh, on, on the Friday, uh, we were able to get there at the, uh, 
you know, at about a quarter to ten, and we were able to go in, sign in. We got both pin golf, and we both played in the open. I know you uh, kicked butt in the pin golf, and I love the <laughs> pin golf format in that they use classics for the pin golf, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were no DMDs in the in the pin golf bank at all. Yeah, um, they, I think there were two EMs. There was a nippet. Which is sort of a throwback, you know. Say you don't no see that everywhere. It. Say yeah. no to nip it. And then there was like a royal flush that, uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 slow mo didn't give me. Uh, I I I didn't do well on royal flush. Normally I do all right on EMs, but that was that was rough for me. But yeah, you uh, you put up one of your better results o- over <laughs> time here. I mean, uh, you know, at almost you weren't quite. Didn't get quite to where Kerry did. Kerry ended up one stroke off a of qualifier. Yeah, so close. Um, you know, and uh, I I managed not to max out any holes. That's the only thing I can say for my for my own self is uh, is that I didn't didn't particularly golf well, but at least I didn't uh, have to take the seven on anything. I I think the worst was one six. So, but uh, you had a whole bunch of. Uh, sub fives and uh and stuff so yeah, you, you, you were golfing well you think it, you think you're doing good and you feel good and you got a good 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 look at it some of the lines and and then you you see the results and you know robert averaged like oh yes two robert. yeah robert daniel and, and and dave grant did manage to get into yeah. the uh, into the playoffs as well so there's a couple canadians in there so um but yeah that, i mean that is the reality of it all like uh but even their choices of games, I thought were really cool. They had um, they had Harlem Globetrotters, which I love. You know, again, yeah. you don't see it that often. You do see it in tournaments, but you just don't see it in the wild as much. They had uh, Night Rider. Um, is that what? What's that called? Uh, the truck game. I think it's Night Rider. Um, but it was the EM format of yeah. of that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the different games. They had a Quicksilver. I love that. That was uh, that. I got to play both of them, and the Quicksilver was quite awesome. Oh, beautiful. Um. Yeah. Ooey gooey beauty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so that was a very cool tournament, and then we were given choices of how we wanted to play in the match in the match play open. So you choose you chose the D group. Uh, yeah. So you were playing mostly DMDs. You yeah. were over in the other bank. I chose the E group, uh, and I have to thank Dave Grant for this. Uh, when he pointed out that because it was going on at the same time as women's final, they were actually going to run that version of the Open Split on, the, on the Classics banks. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So that sort of fits uh, my logic a little better. And uh, I almost made it. Uh, I, I ended up in a tiebreaker for one of the qualifying spots. Uh, there were four of us for one spot. And unfortunately, uh tiebreaker didn't go my way. But uh, still, it was a good experience. Yeah. And we should point out too that Ashley actually also made the tiebreaker in women's and uh, just missed uh, just missed the qualifying there. So the, the three of us uh, were just one shot away. We were we were that close to it. Yeah, I, I'm going to say one of the highlights for you was just about getting into finals. And oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the lowlights was losing the tiebreak. Yeah, because I fought back. Like I knew I was playing all right, and what basically what it came down to was fifth game. I came in second, and mm-hmm. their tiebreaker is basically results from going backwards, from fifth game backwards. And because I had that second, a couple of the other players had a first, that eliminated me, and then they had to go back to fourth game, and one of the two players had a first. So, yeah. so totally legit. That That's how they do it. And uh, he got into the uh, finals, and I, or into the playoffs, and I did not. But uh, 
I was happy with it. You know, it's a big show and the mm-hmm. uh, qualifying is sort of a goal, but, uh, you know, almost. Yeah, moving yeah. up, moving so, up. Yeah, no, well, good. I imagine the, it'll attract very, very good players. I it mean, it that, does. That kind of show, very, you know, the top probably, right? Yeah, there are so many good players. For me, I love the aspect of the intensity of the high caliber competition, right? I'm sort of competitive, but, well, I'm not comp- I'm a bit of a slapper when I play <laughs> But I, I'm interested in the, the elite competition aspect of it. And in my, my first match play for Lethal Weapon, um, Zoe Vibrell is in my oh, yeah. group, world champion, kills it all the time, throws a hoodie on and just goes. And she's just she's putting up numbers and putting up numbers and putting up numbers in our group. Ends up we're all sitting down now. We're not even <laughs> waiting to go next putting up numbers and just smashes us. And then I went, I went four, my, my match play went four, three, four, one, three. So I took one win. Nice. Which, you know, you, you play well and you get beat and then sometimes you don't play well and you win. So I was <laughs> straddling that line on, okay. I'll take, take the win, take the one win. I got been playing pinball for three days straight here. I'll take one win yep. for the road. Got to say also, my the second game in my match play, um, Heather Loudon, Roller Games. One of those, each group is different when you match play, right? For three more people and you, and you got a little bit of energy, and some people are like, yeah, way to go, or like they're like, don't stand too close to me, or different energy, but it's, sure. it's still positive. And she was, she liked, like Zoe, she stepped up and smashed the whole group. But as she would come off the pin, she was like, like you've been holding her beer and you're on a team event. Like, way to go. Here, hold my beer. Good job. Way to go. And you think, yeah, yeah, way to go. Wait, wait. She's just smashing us. <laughs> she's just got that attitude. Oh, yeah. You're all in. It's all good. So one of the highlights for sure, uh, Neil, Mm-hmm. Regarding the women's tournament, I think uh, for a lot of the people here on the island was uh, Ashley um, in the qualifying and what she did on skateball that while she was on stream. Uh, you want to speak to that a bit because that was just insane. What a clutch player. I've played her lots, right? Local league. And even one time she's she's going third and she's way ahead. It's, not, it's way over, but... She's, she's not stopping the ball. She's such a zone. She looks back. She's clearly got the win. I'm like, keep playing. You, you're so, when you're in the moment, you're with the machine, play, play. And she's like, yeah, should I take extra balls? Yes, of course. Just do it. Well, and there was a couple saves too, where she had the outlane saves on it, you know, rumbling the ball, uh, bringing the oh, ball back up. Yeah, yeah, stuff. for the, the tournament. Yeah, I yeah. just was... Like, no, no, you're in, saying here locally, I know, but when she was actually playing, yeah. she was just, just nailing it. And, um, yeah, it was great to see because it was almost like sort of her, her coming to the next level in tournament play now, yeah. you know, and uh, hats off to Ashley uh, and, and, and to Carrie uh, as well. I mean, we have to say that Carrie also, while Brought she was it. on stream, I think it was, I'm trying to remember what game that was on. Was that on Zilla? I think that was on Zilla that she, uh, was Zilla in the bank? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think she was on Zilla and she just blew everybody away. Um, and it was a you know, it was a ball three sort of you're down, 
you're behind and you just blow it up and uh, dominate on the game. Always great to see that. And uh, they're both just such cool people to hang out with. That, uh, oh, it was really good. Really made the weekend for us, totally. No, and that was it. Like, there was definitely competition, but it wasn't, it, it was definitely more supportive in, in general. Yeah. Um, we should announce some of the winners here. Uh, we know Jermaine won the pin golf. He, uh, he, he did come in first there. And I know in the open, Tim, Tim McCool won. Oh, uh, how can you be Tim McCool and not win? And when you win and you're Tim McCool, cool. well, exactly. Like, like it, it, it comes with the territory almost. And then the women's event was was amazing to watch, and oh. it's usually the highlight for me. Yeah. Because again, the camaraderie that the women show when they're playing is just amazing. Yeah. And uh, the winner this time was. Oh, I, I I backtracked this whole thing. I got a fashion file category for the women and the semifinals. Um, because yeah, it was the only final I got to photograph or try to document, and it was the Saturday night, right? right. So, um, I tried to follow it as much as I could, and it's same. It's uh, it's all the high caliber stuff, right? They did two qualifying groups um, over two days, and sixty nine players, seven hundred fifty bucks cash for the winner and a trophy, and the f- top eight. Um, Leslie Martin, Liberty Rudderman, Louise Wagonsoner, Zoe Brow, Lucy Hoffman, Sandy Magalanis. That's kind of a push, maybe. Ashley Weaver and Ren Logan. So just a mash of people finally getting through. And to get into final, there was two playoffs. So Louise Wagonsoner, who's got like the Wagonsoner effect, for sure she's getting into the final. And she's I just got to see her play at Banning at the last in disc mm-hmm. and the last banning in, in disc. And she's so focused on, she's so, she's so focused and she so gets it. Like she's one player one next level wagon center effect. So of course she wins the playoff to get into the final. And the other playoff is Lucy Hoffman, Ren Logan, who I didn't get to see it on the stream and they played it back to back. So all of a sudden just Ren was the last one into the final. So the women's final, where Ren Logan, Zoe Vibrell, uh, Ashley Weaver, and Louise Wagonsoner. Wagonsoner's eighth in the world. Uh, Zoe's 24th. Ashley Weaver's 20th. And Ashley, I've never seen play. Zoe, I got to see also play previous at Indisc. Mm-hmm. The, the hoodie effect, right? I, like I said, she was in my group and just... I'm going to say her and maybe she had the highest overall scores for all the events for i'm gonna say she's one of the players of the event and jermaine for the men right but they go they go into the final a little bit like mccool who won the man he's he's like kind of like that league guy that does really well here and there he's never won anything mm-hmm. right so ren logan she's ranked 350 in the world she's yeah. kind of like that that league kid yeah. that does well, but sure. how are you going to play? Ashley Weaver, the two days I got to see her play, just phenomenal. Like, really mature selection, anticipation, flow. Like, I was like, who is this? How <laughs> Incredible. So, on form, she looks like she's going to win this. Right. Maybe Zoe, right? The two of sure. them, they're going to run it. 
And um, they get to the final. It's Fishtails, X-Men, Godzilla, and the Cheetah. And it's a little bit back and forth. And uh, Ashley doesn't, it just doesn't go for her. Like, I don't know why, you know. The well, pin, but that, the that's pinball sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, best laid plans. Yeah. So Ashley Weaver fourth. Um, then Louise, she won, she wins Fishtails and then just kind of goes third, fourth, and second comes third. Zoe Vibrell, she goes third. She wins X-Men, second on Zilla, third on Cheetah. She comes second. And then from, from nowhere, from nowhere, Bren Logan is your uh, women's champion. She goes second, fourth, and wins the last two pins. Like when you win the tournament on your last ball, on your last game. Boom. Yeah. Uh, boom shakalaka. And she's she's thrilled. Oh, the look on her face was just so uh heartwarming. Like I mean, uh, the the passion and the joy that would that she expressed was amazing. It, it's what it's all about. Like I mean, you know, the eight hundred dollars yeah. and everything else is fine. Um when you see somebody who truly uh embraces their victory but in just pure pleasure. It's uh, it, it's something that'll keep you coming back and yeah. back and back. Thrilled, so giddy, so happy, yep. so like crying, laughing, <laughs> laughing, crying, laughing. Well, and we saw Zoe going over and congratulating. Like I mean, just truly feeling They're good all, for her they too. All get it. And that's the supportive nature of it that I just really appreciate. It. Uh, it was goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I think of all the tournament, uh, the different tournaments, that was my favorite. I was playing. Uh, my my round of classic or my my uh, open play uh, or match play open mm. during most of it, so yeah. I didn't get to see anything until the very last few games of the final. But you could just see the joy that was there, and it was uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a highlight. Yeah, very, well, very, that's very that's got to be a great learning experience for for both of you actually, just to watch this level of high caliber players. Oh yeah, just, well, just yeah. the technique and the uh, the style. Um, you did also mention something about the fashion show, Neil. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! You, you got me intrigued. So, oh, I I tried to do a fashion file on who's got the look, despite your playability. <laughs> who's who's got the vibes? And um, uh, I I don't know if it's a top three, but um, right at the top is Chelsea Raconza in her in her multifaceted. I want to call it a moo uh, marvelous outfit. Her her cow Very outfit. Very cool. Cool. Um, uh, I posted a picture of that, and but yep. you couldn't touch it. It was like you look so good. What are you gonna say? Um, then there's <laughs> the Natalie and uh, Allison file where they came in with hats on and uh, indoor with hats. I mean, please remove your baseball hat while you're in church and stuff. But they came in with hats. It was clinical chic chapeau, and uh, I, I I said to Natalie, "Whoa, you, <laughs> that 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 looks good. You look good. That works for you." And so I was. I tried to hedge my bets. What you got a hat for tomorrow? She said, "A hat this good doesn't have a tomorrow. It's every day." <laughs> uh, and then Allison had like a play hat and then an aftermath hat. It just works. It works so good. Um, well, that speaks to the fun, I think, of, of, of the tournament. And actually, when Dan came back, one of the first things he said, and you guys have reiterated that a few times today, was the vibe was good. Oh, amazing. Uh, you know, the from the uh, courtesy on the machines to the, uh, you know, um, fair sportsmanship yep. uh, in the play. And I'm not sure if that is that 
uh, all shows, or is that just the characteristic um, of this show? Dan? This mm. is the most I've seen of it. Like I've again, I've been to a number of things. I was at like six Pinbergs, and and there there's an okay vibe there, but it's definitely, uh, yeah, I, I have not felt. Now maybe this was also COVID. Like you know, I mean, uh, we've got a. We've got to also understand that for a lot of people, this might be their first show in two and a half years. So they're just being out with people and you're you're embracing that too. But there was a general over, like the way the show is structured, it's structured in a way that's very sort of um, people oriented. Um, it's not just competition oriented. And, and I really appreciated that. Um, there may be competitive people that find it not competitive enough. That's fine. Um, there's plenty of shows that are very, very competitive oriented and, and there's the level of competition here is huge. It's high, oh, yeah. but it's just got a slightly different vibe to it. This is my favorite vibe that I've felt at a show. Um, you know, and again, having been to, you know, better than a handful of different shows over the years. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about was, was just the amount of forever flip hoodies just everywhere. You saw them. You saw them on, like, I mean, I didn't realize what a following you had, brother, because <laughs> there were people all over the place with stuff. Emoto was wearing, uh, had, had a hoodie on that sort of resembled my hoodie, actually. Yeah. It was sort of cool. We missed that picture. <laughs> Emoto, if you're listening to this, I'm next sorry. time uh, we're at a show together, we got to wear the hoodies together. I, yeah, I stage frighted out of that one. I, but, they were just staring at you, too. Yeah, <laughs> well, because it was, it was sort of funny. It, 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 you know, it was a good look. And I, I felt sorry if I brought it down for you, Emoto. Um, I, I know I'm not quite at your level there. So, but uh, She's a fascinating. Oh, yeah. She, oh, she's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, just other people in it. Um, there was just a lot of variety, and uh, I really enjoyed that. But, uh, I mean, I saw saw somebody buying one of them off your back, Neil. Like, it was literally, I've got to have your hoodie. Um, <laughs> oh, that's got to be gratifying, eh, Neil, to see all that. And, no, uh, that was fun. Sorry. The response, really, really great, eh? Sneaking in at the end of the fashion file there for you. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And um, I'm going to say, you know, one of the, yeah, one of the, the moments of the show was seeing seeing you guys styling it up, looking good. Well, I, help it. yeah, you know what? It's fun, and I mean that's something that uh, that that since you've since you created Forever Flip, I mean in the original interview that we did, and, and I'll reiterate it here is one of the things that you bring that doesn't really exist is color, and fun, and I mean it, it isn't that there are other, aren't other products out there that have some fun or whatever, but I mean that's sort of your like you know. Yeah. <laughs> your thing is yeah. is you put as much physical color onto onto a hoodie as you possibly can and they're all sorts of different themes so yeah I, I just thought it was neat to see it out there i'm used to it here because you know there's a handful of us that have them yeah um here in victoria <laughs> but to see it out there with a whole bunch of other people was really cool yeah, yeah. so the overall impression is you really didn't like the show oh no no yeah it was not <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I definitely uh, thoroughly enjoyed. I look forward to, you know, at least doubling our presence there next year. I mean, we had six people from the island down um, this year. Definitely hoping for 12 or more next year. Uh, yeah, crew it up. Yeah, well, I just, you know what, it's close. It's 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 a good time. Um, it's a well-run show. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't ask for a ton more. Like, I mean, you know, it, the only thing I'd like is if it was an extra day long. You know, make it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I'd like more of it. Um, mm. that, that, that's, that would be my only thing, but that's, that's just me. I'm, I'm greedy. 
Well, that's great to hear, guys. Thanks yeah. for uh, for your uh, feedback on that show, and uh, hopefully next year I can head down there. I think floors nine through eleven are uh, finished their renovation at the center here. Uh, <laughs> well so, done. Yeah, it's you've, you've you've sold me, and I think you'll probably sell a few other people on the show. Awesome. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode. Uh, just a reminder: if you're in Edmonton in late July, definitely check out the Yegpin Show, uh, July twenty first to twenty fourth. And uh, if you're in Tacoma the first weekend of June next year, highly recommend that uh, Northwest uh, Pinball and Arcade show. Uh, We'll be there for sure. Tech suggestions and feedback? VIPinballPodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow, Daryl and Dan.